Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come, and there is none like you. Jesus, the Son of God, crucified and raised to life. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the only Savior of the world. Father God, who are we to declare such truth today? It is only by your grace. So I pray right now, because of that grace, we would take a posture of reverence before your throne and say, Lord, speak to me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pride myself against your word today. There's areas in my life that you brought me here today. It's not by accident. You brought me here to do business because you have a word for me. Help me to listen and to humble and to receive the word that you have desired to give me before the foundation of the world this very day. May you find, oh God, a church that is sincere in their devotion, a sincere in their commitment to say, as for us in our house, we will choose the Lord. We will choose to serve the Lord. Guard my mouth from error, Father, and say what you want to say, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, church, let's open up our Bibles to Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 to 15. And this is the final message in our series, Building the House, God's Heart for the Home. If you do not have a Bible in front of you, our ushers are coming forward right now. We want to put a copy of God's Word into your hands so you can continue to follow along and keep that as a free gift from us to you to encourage you to study God's Word on your own as well. And it's in, on page 114 in those Bibles that we are handing out to you. Page 114. So the series that we've been looking at over the last seven weeks has been God's heart for the home. And the purpose of it was to look at the question and to answer the question, what are God's desires for the home? What does he promise to bless and give support to in it? If I could sum that up, I'd say it this way. What does a house being built by the Lord look like? Not just for the biological families at home, but for the church family, the house of God corporately as well. And so if we do a quick scan and and recall what has happened to bring us to this place, we kicked off the series in Psalm 127 and saw God's heart for our dependency. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then we moved on to God's heart for our love, God's heart for our love for him as our first love and then for our brothers and sisters. And then we looked at God's heart for our words and how Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And then after that, we moved on to God's heart for discipleship, training up one another in both belief in God's word and practice of it from one generation to the next. And then two weeks ago, we looked at God's heart for humility and how he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And last week, it led us into God's heart for our unity, 
pursuing peace so far as it depends on us and being eager as the family of God, as the house of God, to maintain unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. But here's the thing, loved ones. All of these things are the marks of the virtue that we will look at today and that we finish with today. And that virtue is devotion. Devotion, God's heart for the home is our heart for our devotion to him alone. And here's something we need to be aware of. None of these other things happen. Humility, love, dependency, words, discipleship. None of those other things happen or increase if devotion to God alone is not increasingly present in the house. It's a big word today from the Lord. You say, why is that? Because all of the other things that we looked at flow out of our devotion to Christ. Without increasing devotion to Christ, there's no increasing dependency on Christ. Without increasing devotion to Christ, there's no increasing humility in Christ. Without increasing devotion to Christ, there's not increasing discipleship happening in our homes. All of them flow out of a singular, exclusive devotion. But there's a problem. We live in a world that says the greatest devotion we can have is devotion to ourselves. That's a big problem. The greatest devotion we can have is a devotion to self. And the culture we live in is bent towards helping us pursue this. Don't believe me? Let's look at a few examples. Just a little research this week on some of the common advertisements and themes that are permeating throughout our culture. We see devotion that is promoted through dependency on self, not God. The you can do it mentality. Just believe in yourself. Be that self-made man or woman. You can do it. Really? How long do you think that's going to last? We see it in our culture promoting pride in ourselves, not humility. Saying, you deserve it. You deserve to have things your way. How many advertisements do we see? Have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way. You deserve a break today. You deserve, you deserve, you... Really? Really? You deserve to have people listen to you so you don't have to listen to them. You deserve your voice to be heard. Really? How about this? We see it promoted with a love for self, not a love for God as our first love and others. Here, real statement that I saw this week. Love yourself first and everything else falls in line. Good idea, thumbs up. Bad idea, thumbs down. Go ahead, go ahead, show hands. Yeah, that's right, bad idea. Here, let's restate that. Let's do a little rewrite of that statement to make it true. Love yourself first and everything will not fall in line. Everything will fall apart. Try that. Think that flies in the face of culture? You don't believe me? Just look around at our culture today. How's that working for us? How's the home today? How are marriages today because of that statement and believing it? How are families broken, divided, hurting? Put yourself first. Don't lay yourself down. See, We have to realize this, and you'll see it on the screen, loved ones. Every day we are faced with the choice of who or what we will give our devotion to. Every day. 
we are faced with that choice. You, can't, you and I can't avoid that. that confronts, that's going to confront you when you leave here today. That's confronting you right now. That's confronting me and you tomorrow when we wake up. Who will we give our devotion to? And a devotion to God alone is the only one he will bless. He will not share his glory with another. Isaiah 42, 8. A devotion to God alone is the only one he will bless and through which the house is built to endure. That is our church and that is our individual lives and that is our individual families. He is the architect of the home. God knows how it is supposed to function for his glory. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how can we increasingly grow in our devotion to God alone in the midst of the cultural pressures to compromise and to conform. How do we do this? How do we grow in our devotion? Well, here in our text today, we see two truths. We must, like honestly, loved ones, we must embrace this. This is like no option if we're gonna grow in our devotion to Christ alone and to see the house rooted, established, and built up in him for his glory. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word as we read Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Choose whom you will serve. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, God builds the house that is devoted to him. The first thing we see here is this. We must increasingly fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. You never hit your reverence for God's ceiling. That's why that word increasingly is so important. It's never like I arrived in my fear of the Lord. Never happens. Not on this side of eternity anyway. Must increasingly fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. And the question that we are confronted with from this truth in this text is this. Devotion to God starts with reverence for God. Am I serving him sincerely? There it is. Devotion to God starts with reverence for God. Am I serving him sincerely? Look at verse 14a, the first part of 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord... And serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Love how Joshua starts off with that. But first, we got to read scripture in context, right? Context is key. So let's get some context. The year is about 1400 BC. 1400 BC, the Israelites have crossed into Canaan and have conquered most of it as God instructed under the leadership of Joshua. Remember, Joshua took over from Moses. Okay, when the Israelites were brought right to the Jordan River, Moses died, was not allowed to enter the promised land, and Joshua took them over, and the first battle they faced was at Jericho. But here's the thing, Joshua is now at the end of his leadership of the people. 
He's just got a real short time left, and he's gathered all the people at Shechem. Now, where is Shechem? You see it on the map here. Here's Shechem, okay, right in the middle. He's gathered all of the people of Israel together at Shechem, and the reason he's called them there for this critical moment, think about this. If you're leading a nation, and this is one of the last things you're going to say to them, you're going to want to say what's most important. Always. This is like your last moment in front of them to do so. And so he calls them all to Shechem, the very center of the land. And the reason he's called them is that there's a covenant renewal ceremony he's leading them in. A covenant renewal where he's renewing the covenant of God with them. What's the covenant of God? God's promise to build the nation. God's promise to build the nation, and he's reminding them that if God was to continue to build the nation through them, if they were to endure against what they would be up against, what was coming, they had to stay faithful to him and couldn't compromise in their walk with him. Same today, loved ones. Like you look at the way the world's going, my kids are being raised, your kids are being raised in a very different culture than one you and I got brought up in. What do you think they're going to face? What about their kids? Same thing. And so here in verses 1 to 13, Joshua summarizes the past events that both they and their fathers went through to bring them to this point right here in Canaan. So he does this summary, this history of what God has done, God's faithfulness to them to preserve them, to protect them, and to establish them through every part. And he starts with Abraham. You go through verses 1 to 13, you see him start with Abraham's father, Terah, and then Abraham himself, when God called them out of Ur, which is by Babylonia, Mesopotamia. And he calls them out there and how he brought Abraham to the land of Canaan. Then he moves on to Egypt. When they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, look at what God did to deliver you out of that. He literally sent 10 plagues. He parted a sea. And then after that, he goes into how God provided for them in the wilderness, manna, quail, pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, water from there. He reminds them of all these things, and now he brings them the history right up to their present time in conquering the land of Canaan. Look what God has done. The armies he's defeated. There is no way you should have been able to defeat Jericho, the most powerful army in the world with the most locked down city ever that no army had ever defeated. There is no way you should have been able to do that. He's reminding them of these things. And the purpose was this. And what we need to hear today is this. To show Israel that it was absolutely helpless. Let's get this again. That's a shot to our pride, isn't it? Israel was absolutely helpless to secure its own life and build its own nation, its own house, without him. That's why he runs through the history. He says, you think you did this, guys? Let's remember who got us here. Let's remember the one we have to cling to if this is going to endure. He's saying, if you want to see God build his house, if you want to see God build his nation through you, if you want to see God's blessing upon you, loved ones, hear this. Our flesh doesn't like to hear it, but here's some great truth for us. You have to do it God's way or it will fail. 
You want to see God's blessing on your marriage? You have to do it God's way. You have to. God will oppose the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. You want to see God's blessing in raising your children? You have to do it his way. You want to see God's blessing on your dating relationship? You need to do it God's way. Or he's opposing you because you're walking in pride. And it's the same thing Joshua is telling the people of Israel right now. And so in Joshua, in 14a, he says this. Joshua says, the very first priority they must have, the very first priority you and I must have, if they are to be a nation that is to stay faithful and devoted to the Lord alone, they must fear him and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Notice what Joshua does. It's not about do all this stuff with your hands. He goes right after the heart. Reverence. The word fear there means this. The Hebrew, you'll see it on the screen. Reverence and honor towards God exclusively. Reverence and honor. What does that mean? Let's get some clarity there. They must have an increasing love for the Lord as their first love. An increasing honor of him in the heart and through their lives. It means loving what God loves It means honoring what he says to honor. It means valuing what he values. It's not being flippant with sin, loved ones. Let me say that again. It is not being flippant with sin. It is not being flippant in how we approach God. It's not putting him to the side and saying, I'm going to make this my priority and maybe get my Jesus time on the side. Uh Uh-uh. It's putting him at the center of all, the center of your home, the center of your marriage, the center of your priorities, the center of your affection. That's the only way it goes well. That's the only way it will last. And see God build the house. See, what matters to God, Joshua says, must matter to them increasingly. How different would our, just look at this, just do a self-examination. How different would your home look? How different would your dating relationship look if what matters to God actually mattered to you and you just stopped paying lip service that it did? How different would our nation look? He goes for the heart. Why? Because here's the truth. You and I, loved ones, we were made to worship. We will all reverence something or someone. And you'll see it on the screen. What has the place of reverence in our heart has the place of the devotion of our heart. What has the place of reverence has the place of our devotion. And when he says, serve him, Joshua says, fear the Lord, verse 14, and serve him. Joshua then commands them that if their hearts truly fear the Lord, now here's the outflow, right? He goes for the heart first, and now here's the outflow. If we truly fear the Lord, it will be shown through their service to the Lord in their sincerity and faithfulness. What does that term sincerity mean? Why didn't Joshua just say, just serve the Lord? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire him to write that word? Here's why. Here's what it means. The Hebrew, you'll see it on the screen. 
Serving the Lord with sincerity means in accordance with God's truth, God's word. It is undefiled. It is no hypocrisy or deceit, but it is serving him with integrity and uprightness. Let's get, let's get some clarity and expand on that a little bit. It means this. When Joshua says, fear him and serve him with sincerity, it means you're not just, don't serve him, quote unquote, and just pay lip service to God in your obedience to him. Saying, I'm a Christ follower in this case. I'm a God follower today. I'm a Christ follower. But our walk does not match the talk. We are not serving the Lord with a sincere faithfulness. We know how to speak the Christianese. We know how to play the Jesus game and say all the right things to try to convince others we're walking with sincerity. But you know quite well, and God looks into your heart and knows quite well, there is not a sincerity there. means this. Here's what else it means. Number two, we're not picking and choosing the parts of God's word they want to obey, but increasingly and promptly obeying all of it. It's not, they're not saying this. Serving God sincerely means this. Yeah, it means we're not saying, yeah, I love God, but I'm going to keep walking in my sin. I'm just, I say I love Jesus. I say I'm a Christ follower, but this unrepentant, flaunting sin in my life, nah, I don't need to deal with that because it's just too inconvenient. Maybe I'll just pray about what God says about this for a while longer and continue. Listen, if God's made it clear in his word, you don't need to pray about it anymore. He's made it clear. Are we sincere in our devotion or not? This is why Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, many will come to me on that day when I come back and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do great things in your name? He goes, depart from me, I never knew you. You played the game, you said the words, I don't know you. We're not picking and choosing the parts of God's word we want to obey. This is, this is really easy to do, but that's uncomfortable for me. I'll obey this, but not this, because really, God, I know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. I know what's the easiest thing for me. I know what's the most comfortable thing. I know what I can and can't handle. And ultimately, I know what is right for me more than you, God. And I'm choosing to reverence and be devoted to myself. Joshua the rubber meets the road right here. And we see this on the screen. Devotion to God must start with a reverence for God. But here's the thing. I don't want us to be fooled in walking out of here and thinking that somehow we can just walk up and be like, I'm gonna be more reverent for God now. We don't naturally drift towards that. You can't white knuckle reverence. It has to come from somewhere else. It has to come from another power. But the question we're confronted with here is, are we living with an increasing reverence for God and sincerity in our service to him, or are we playing the game? Question, where do you need to repent of your lack of sincerity towards him? Where is that area 
that you need to give over to the Lord right now. You're walking in sin. He's made it very clear. People have probably exhorted you in that. And you just continue to flaunt it and call yourself a believer. Loved one, where's the sincerity? Where is that area for you? This is where it takes courage right now. As the Holy Spirit is prompting, you have a choice to make right now. I can sit in opposition to God or I can begin to take my next step to serving him with exclusive devotion and sincerity knowing that he will bless that and not leave me on my own. Where is that for you? Maybe it's, here's some examples to help us think through this. Maybe in our homes, in the conversations we have, would your wife and kids, if you're married here and have a family, would your wife and kids say that you're the same person behind the scenes as in front of others? Is there integrity in your walk? How about, is God's word at the center of our home? Does our conversation reflect a reverence increasingly for God? in our actions and how we lead our families and how we wake up early to get into God's word? Is there an increasing reverence? Not some legalistic duty, but out of a growing love for him. Is there? Is there discipleship happening in the home? Who's discipling our kids? Disney or parents or the church? How about here in our church? I, is God's word our authority? I pray that if you're a first-time visitor here, when you walked in today and you saw our mission statement, and even through the course of our service, right, you say, yeah, God has the authority in this church. I pray you can recognize that. Does he have that in our small groups? Does he have that in how we pray and how we worship and how we serve in the unity that we are eager to maintain in his power? How about in our marriages? Is there a reverence for God in the purity that we fight for in keeping that marriage bed pure? In our prayer, in our unity, in that. How about in our individual lives? Our students love our students so much, so thankful for you. But is there an increasing reverence for God, a sincerity in your life through an increasing obedience to God's word? Or that area where you're just like, no, I'm not gonna deal with that. I'm just gonna keep going in my sin and that. I'm not gonna address it. How about holiness, purity of speech, I'm making sarcastic, degrading, demeaning comments. Purity of speech, purity of actions, purity of integrity in serving the Lord when people are looking and when they're not, when there's no other honor but the Lord himself. Honoring what God honors, valuing what he values, and not making excuses for sin. Dealing with it quickly through repentance and humility instead of digging in the heels of pride. And you say, well, how do I do this? How do I know? I don't know of any area right now. here's, Here's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Ask him. Ask him genuinely. Get in his word. James says his word is like a mirror. It will show you. Hebrews 4.12 says it discerns the heart. It will show you. The Holy Spirit will show you. Then you have a choice to make. And then ask. Ask, how do I grow in this? Pray. One of the best prayers you can pray, we've said all throughout this series, is Lord, help me to love you more. 
more than my sin, more than this temptation, more than my pride. Help me to live with a greater awe of you. Hey, here's another way. Walk in accountability. Love what God is doing in our small groups. Love it. Live in community with each other so you have people coming alongside. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Because the truth is we will reverence something. And what has our reverence has our devotion. What has yours? God builds the house that is devoted to him. And I want to encourage you in this. It's not about perfection. I don't want you to saying, well, I got to be perfect in every way. No, no, no. It's not about perfection, but it's about perseverance in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you give in to that sin, and we will continue to sin on this side of eternity, but when we do, it's a quick repentance, quick recognition, and say, God, please give me the strength to turn from that and turn to you. And he says, yes, child. You and I are not alone. Praise the Lord. So if God builds the house that is devoted to him, we must increasingly fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. And from that last point today is this. We must exclusively commit to the Lord and choose him daily. Exclusively commit to the Lord and choose him daily. And the question that this section of the text confronts us with is this, loved ones. Every day I choose who I will serve, will my house serve the Lord? Every day I choose who I'm going to serve. Every day I choose. That word serve in here, by the way, the, another word for it is worship. Every day I choose who or what I'm going to worship. Will my house worship? Will my house serve the Lord? Look at 14b and 15. Let's just read the start of 14.2. Now, therefore, Joshua says, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. See, here in this section, after charging the people to fear the Lord and serve him sincerely, Joshua then challenges them by saying that if they are to serve the Lord faithfully and see their nation or their house built up by him to endure what they're about to face, they must, not option, they must put away the false gods that they would be tempted to serve and serve the Lord exclusively. The word Hebrew there, and put away, by the way, in verse 14, the phrase put away, here's what it means in Hebrew. You won't see this on the screen, so just write this down. It means to remove or take away, and then it gets more intense, to deliberately avoid. To deliberately Avoid. You know you're going to be tempted with that? You know you're going to be tempted to reverence that false God? What are you doing to deliberately avoid it? Deliberately avoid it. And here, here it gets even more intense. The root for the Hebrew word of put away is this. Behead. Joshua's not kidding around here. Behead it. 
Behead the gods that you're worshiping. If you're going to serve the Lord exclusively and commit to him alone, all those other things you're reverencing, all that sin that you're going to be tempted to go in and be lifted up, it has to be beheaded. We don't dabble in it. And so what are these false gods? Well, he tells us here, put away the gods that your father served. Verse 14, the father served. What's he talking about there? He says, beyond the Euphrates River in Mesopotamia or Babylonia, where they come from. Remember, Abraham, Abram at the time, and his father Terah, they were serving the Babylonia gods, the gods of Mesopotamia when God called them. They're serving those other small g false gods. Gods. He says, put away those gods of your fathers. Just because Abraham did this doesn't mean he was being faithful at that moment when I called him out. Put those gods away. And then he goes on. He says, verse 14, put away the gods of Egypt. Put away, in verse 15, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. That's the land of Canaan. He goes, you're surrounded by false, syncretistic, polytheistic worship. There is no exclusivity here. There's no room for margin. I will not share my glory. Put away, behead those gods. Now, okay, let's, let's, get, let's get some clarity because it's so easy to say, you look at especially the Old Testament, you say that doesn't really apply. It's not really relevant. Okay, hold on, hold that thought. Time out, watch. Watch this. Let's look at what some of these gods, I did a, a study on the gods of Mesopotamia, the Pantheon, and uh, the gods of Egypt and the gods of the Amorite. And I summed it up in this list for you. You'll see it on here. Here's the false gods Joshua's talking about. Number one, gods of food. Number two, gods of prosperity. Number three, gods of wealth. Gods of peace. Gods of health. Here's another one. Gods of fertility. Gods of sex and lust. Gods of protection and security. Gods of provision. Gods of love and relationships. Gods of position and success. Gods of strength. Gods of power. And gods of comfort. You can look at that list real quickly. Look around at our world today and just try to say that those gods don't exist today. I have to get married. I have to have a relationship. I have to get my security. I have to provide for myself. Gods of lust, gods of sex, saturating our society. I just want peace. I just want peace, so I'm going to pursue these other means. I just want wealth and finance and prosperity. There's nothing new under the sun, loved ones. 
We're kidding ourselves if we think otherwise. Has anything changed? See, these same small g gods saturate our society today and constantly compete for the devotion of our hearts every day. And we might not have the statue in our living room, the God of fertility. We might not have the statue in our living room, but we're pulling it up on the internet. We're pulling it up in our hearts. We might not have a statue of food and the God of food in our living room, but we're opening the fridge and paying homage to him to try to satisfy something that he cannot. We're pulling it up in the desires of our hearts because here's the truth as we look at that list. I hope we're sobered by that today. Here's the truth as we look at that list. Every moment of every day, we make a choice as to who or what we will serve. You'll see it on the screen. Every moment of every day, we make a choice as to who or what we will serve. What has our devotion And Joshua knows this. Joshua knows this. And he knows the house is in danger. He's a leader of the house. And he knows it's in danger. You know, it got me thinking, you know, if God ever moves me on from the senior pastor of this church, I'm just like, what would I want to say to the guy who's coming in? What would I want to say to our small group leaders? What would I want to say to the congregation? And he knows because it's always in danger, even now, in danger of division, in danger of falling. And look what he says in verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day is Israelites, choose this day, Hope Bible Church, Ottawa, whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, look at this statement, we will serve the Lord. See, if it's evil, he says, the Hebrew word there for evil in verse 15 means displeasing. If it's displeasing for you, I don't want to follow God. It's just more convenient to follow my sin. I don't want to follow God. That's too inconvenient. That's going to cost me to give up doing what I like to do. If it's displeasing to you for you to serve the Lord, that means if it's inconvenient, if it's uncomfortable, if it's too restrictive for you, if it's too narrow for you, if it's too unpopular in the culture, if it's too, quote-unquote, religious for you to serve the Lord, then choose which of these false gods. Notice the choice Joshua gave them? Two false gods. He goes, you choose which of these false gods you're going to serve because that's the best it's going to get for you. That's the best it's going to get. So you choose which ones you're going to serve and you're going to devote yourself to. You think they will bring you freedom. You think they will bring you satisfaction. You think they will bring you peace. You think they will bring you strength. You think they will bring you salvation. You think they're going to build your house to last? Really? Not a chance, Joshua says. But quit, he says, listen, just make the choice. But quit playing the God game. Quit serving the Lord with insincerity. Make your choice. Who are you going to serve? Just choose. Stop putting on the face. Stop being flippant with the Lord and choose this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Even if it means, notice the limb he goes out on here. This is what great leaders do. 
even if I'm the only one standing here, even if I'm the only one making the choice, me and my family will serve the Lord, even if all of you turn away. The line is drawn. I have made my choice. I'm taking this stand no matter what people say, no matter what the culture says needs to be a priority, no matter what it promotes, the commitment is made. I will, with God's help, not compromise on this. And that same question, loved ones, Hope Ottawa, that Joshua posed to the house of Israel is the same question the Lord is posing to us today. Who will you choose to serve? Where will you draw your line in the sand? Make your choice. Will you and your house choose to serve the Lord? Will we as a church, will you and your family, will you and your individual life choose to serve the Lord alone? And you may say this. That is so hard. Think about that. That is so hard to do. The temptation to compromise is relentless. You're gonna walk out of here and be faced with it completely. It's relentless. Some of us may be in this room. I don't know all of your backgrounds here. Some of you may be saying, well, I never had this model to me in the home I grew up in. I've got nothing to go on. I'm like, you know, Abraham before, the, before God called him. I mean, that's, that was like my folks and I, I have never had this model to me. I don't know what I'm doing or my family is too broken My family is too set apart, far gone, separated. What hope do I have? Or some of us might be here saying, I've never, I've been married for 10 years, but I've never led my family this way. We've never done this before. We've never been charged with this. How can we start now? What if my kids, parents, maybe there's some single parents in here. Maybe they're like, what if my kids don't even listen to me? What if I ask to pray for my spouse and they just reject me? Choose this day, loved ones. And I want to encourage you in this. Be encouraged. Just like in the Israelites' day, God knew we would be helpless. Let me say it again. Just like in the Israelites' day, God knew you and I would be helpless to build the house and serve him faithfully on our own. He knew we would need a savior So he sent us one, get this, the greater Joshua, the one whose Hebrew name means the same, Yeshua, the son of God, Jesus Christ. He sent the greater Joshua, his only son, Jesus Christ. And today, listen, listen up, loved ones, right here, moment of truth. Today, he says to you right there in your seat, right there, whatever your past, whatever your background, whatever was happening, listen to this, loved one, you don't have to fear. You can choose to serve me because I chose to serve you first. I chose to serve you first. I chose to love you. You can love me because I first loved you. And I chose to love you and come to earth as fully God and fully man. I chose to live with a perfect fear of the Lord. I love Isaiah eleven three when it talks about the Messiah. It talks about Jesus. It says he delighted in the fear of the Lord. I chose 
to live with a perfect fear of the Lord and serve him with 100% sincerity and commit myself exclusively to choosing my Father's will every moment of every day, John 6, 38. I did not come to do my own will, but that of my Father. I chose to die for you, loved one. I chose to die for you and pay the penalty for your sin upon the cross. I chose to rise again three days later to defeat Satan, sin, and death for all time. And I chose to save you from an eternity in hell that separated you from me. I chose to give salvation to all who repent of their sin. That means turn away from your sin and turn towards him and confess Jesus Christ alone as their Lord and Savior. I chose, Jesus says, to promise to give you all the power and grace and strength and wisdom to live this life in me and watch me build my house to endure no matter what comes against it. And listen to this, and when you fall, when you fall, when that temptation is given into, hear the words of your Savior right now. When you fall, I choose every time to restore you when you turn to me. Hear the words of your Savior right now. Let them wash over you. Loved one, you can choose to serve our King, Jesus Christ, because he chose to serve you first. So question, will you choose to serve him this day? All the history all of the current sin you're in, will you choose to serve him with sincerity today? Two things as we close. Number one, if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal savior, that's the offer. That is his word for you today. Your first step of devotion to the Lord is to recognize that apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. There is no hope. And your first step is to confess him as your Lord and Savior because right now you are separated from him because of your sin. And scripture is so clear in Hebrews. Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. What will your choice be? And then here, believers, if you're here and you have confessed Christ as your Savior, here's your question. Are you living in a fear of the Lord and in increasing sincerity towards him? Remember, it's not perfection, but in perseverance in his power. Not sinless, but sinning less. What small g gods do you need to repent of that are hindering your exclusive devotion to Christ? What situation are you in right now that needs to end? Will you heed his call today to choose him and declare, yes, I will? Let's pray.
Father, the statement is so clear. Choose this day. Choose this day whom you will serve. And Father, I confess, even in my own life, so often I want to choose other things. I need your help. We need your help, Father. But how beautiful and powerful is the gospel that because you chose to serve us, we can serve you. You chose to lay your life down for us and we can lay our lives down for you. God, I pray for such a spirit of encouragement and conviction in this place. God, that we would just be releasing those small G gods at your feet right now, just releasing them to you. Saying, God, I don't know what it's gonna mean. I don't know what the next step is, but I know this step and I know you will provide a way. You've promised to do it, to give me all I need for life and godliness. God, I pray for us as a church that no matter what happens, no matter what happens in the culture around us, no matter the persecution, no matter the opposition, we would take this stand. That that line in the sand would be drawn. As for Hope Bible Church Ottawa, we will choose to serve the Lord. We will choose to serve you with sincerity and faithfulness. God, we need your help. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And I pray this would be not just a tagline or a picture in our homes, but the cry of our heart to say, God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve you. It's going to be unpopular. It's going to mean sacrifice, but we're going to serve you. As for my personal life, I don't have a family yet, but I'm choosing right now to serve you by the power of the Holy Spirit and sincerity and increasing fear of you and love for you and a devotion to you. And I'm choosing Jesus Christ to walk in your ways, to know your truth, to worship you. I will say, yes, I will. God, may it be so. And just as we keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that is the cry of your heart, love, really examine your heart. And if that's the cry of your heart, we just raise your hand and say, God, I choose to serve you. As for me and my house, we serve you. No matter what happens, no matter what we face, just lift up your hand and say, God, here I am. I'm gonna follow you. And if I'm the only one in this room with my hand, I'm taking that stand. I'm just taking that stand. Where else are we gonna go? Who else are we gonna hold on to? What other hope do we have, God? My hand's raised, I'm with you. Just keep your eyes closed. This is between you and the Lord. I'm choosing to serve you this day. Here I am. Yes, I will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.